Arts, Lifestyle, SNS Online. And welcome to SNS Online. Today's special guest, born within the sound of Bow Bells, got a second chance at life after an early misdemeanor nearly led to an extended stay at Her Majesty's pleasure. He then began an acting career as an extra in a range of iconic television shows from the 1960s before getting the call to be regularly blown up, murdered by aliens, thrown off the side of buildings, and more as a stuntman, before eventually going on as a fully paid-up member of the acting fraternity, starring in a number of high-profile shows throughout the 1970s, 80s and 90s. However, his biggest break was undoubtedly securing the role of Charlie Slater in EastEnders, a part he then played on and off for 16 years, and one that very much played to his strengths as an actor, showcasing both his emotional range and acting stamina, his character featuring prominently in numerous intense storylines involving the Slater clan. You can't tell me what to do, you ain't my mother! Yes, now in his 80s, he's still very much in demand, looking and sounding decades younger, and with a zest for life that is just plain infectious. Welcome, one and all, to a true gent and consummate actor to boot, Mr. Derek Martin. <laughs> So Derek Martin, welcome to SNS Online. From stuntman to soap star and everything in between, where do we start? <laughs> well, we've got to start before the stunts. I I um, got into a bit of trouble. I was working at Smithfield Meat Market and uh, I ended up at the Old Bailey, number one court. And uh, you it's common meat? knowledge, I'm not... We yeah, nick- stealing meat. Making sausages. It was about £10,000 worth. <laughs> really? Which in 1962 was a lot of money. Wow. And uh, I, I ended up getting charged with receiving and larceny. Oh, and uh, man. I went to the, a friend of mine. There was three of us. Three, I was a big porter, anyhow. I was official. And the, anyway, to cut a long story well, it was a three day trial. Um, the others that weren't involved, I got rid of them before we come. And I'd spotted these. Loins of beef, Scottish loins of beef, all in muslin, and a big pile of them. And we, because we started work at half past four in the morning and it was pitch dark. So I said to the three boys, we'll get Tony to bring his van round tomorrow and we'll have them. <laughs> so the van pulled up and uh, we started loading it, the three boys, me three mates, and they were porters as well, but they were all married with kids. Anyway, we started loading and as it was dark, and then right at the back of the shop, it was all dark. When someone draws on a cigarette, it glows. Yeah. And I looked and I went, oops. And I <laughs> said to the boys, hang on a minute, we're being spotted. There's someone in the office. You three, Scarper, leave it to me. And okay. they said, you sure? I said, go on, op it, go. So within about five minutes, the city police from Snow Hill were there and market police surrounding me. And they said, well, what are you doing? So I said, well, what do you mean I'm doing? I'm loading meat. 
So they said, who told you? So I said, well, I'm a meat porter. I've got my badge on. I'm an official porter. I said, this man come up. He said, there's a fiver. Um, load this up. It's your breakfast and dinner money. So I started loading. That's it. They said, well, where are the others? I said, what others? It's only me. <laughs> anyway, it took me down to Snow Hill at five o'clock in the morning. Um, I was there all day till seven o'clock that night. And they said, oh, we got your mates in the next room. They've told us all that. I said, oh, I don't know who you got in there, but it was just me. And this old boy asked me with a flat cap and he had a brown coat on. So, so anyway, at the end of the day, they charged me with receiving and larceny. Oh. And receiving being the most serious one. So oh. I ended up at um, Guildhall Magistrates Court uh, three days later. And who's standing in the dock beside me it was Tony who had the lorry, and he had his solicitor, or I had the union solicitor, and his solicitor said, um, my man can't be charged with receiving uh, because he was two miles away in a cafe, which we've got witnesses, and his lorry was stolen. Yeah. The magistrate said, quite right, dismissed. So Tony's walked out the out the dock and gave me a wink, and that was it. <laughs> and my solicitor said, look, Derek, Hang on five minutes to the magistrate. He said to me, Derek, listen, this magistrate hates meat porters. He'll give you nine months. You've got no form. You've got no record. But he hates meat porters, and he'll give you nine months, which is what he can give you. So he said he let to go for trial and jury. So I said, okay, fine. Now, this was in the February. And then I said, right, once to go for trial with trial and jury. The magistrate said, right, postpone until the jury. It was then in May, so I had to wait from February till May, crapping myself and worrying what was going to happen. <laughs> so we got the union barrister, um, went through this, and I stuck to the same story from day one through the end. This old boy with a flat cap and a brown coat said, there's a fiver, get yourself breakfast and that, load my meat up. And there's a porter. So so we get to the first day. My dad drove me to the – I was on bail, obviously. I wasn't in remand. And uh, first day drove me to the Bailey. I don't know whether you've ever been to the old Bailey, but yeah. they're not that big of courts there. The judge is within about 20, 25, 30 foot away from you. Oh, yeah. And you're in the dock with a brass rail. Down to the right is um the – jury and in front below you is the solicitors and barristers and up to the left is the public gallery and of course me three mates were up in the public gallery so <laughs> but um the first day all went and talking cross-examination and all that and come lunchtime you i went to leave to go and have a bit of lunch and they went no you've surrendered your bow and you go down the, their circular like iron staircases go down below the bailey and there's all cells down there Man. And uh, they put me in this cell with two other blokes to have a bit of lunch. And suddenly they said, no, get him out of there. But yeah, there was two blokes who had murdered someone because they, they'd complained about a car that they sold him. Blimey. Anyway, I had a fish and mashed potatoes. And I'll forget it. Graffiti all on the walls. Oh, dear, mum, I think I'm going to go away for life. Oh, no. I mean, Bless come you. the afternoon, end of the first day, uh, I was out on bail again. And my dad took me home. Come the second day, got the, um, all the cross, all the going on evidence and stuff. Come the third day. Now, I've got to explain this to you. When the jury came in, first of all, on the first day, there was a woman in the jury, very attractive, I suppose about 40, 45, yeah. had a green dress on and red hair. Mm-hmm. And every time I looked at the jury, I kind of looked at her. 
Anyway, come the third day, all the summing up, the defence and then the prosecuting, and then the judge summed up, and that old bastard, he summed up right against me. He said, if you believe this cock and ball story about a man in a brown coat offering five pounds, whatever, and he suffered right on my barrister, looked up at me and shook his head and went, as if to say, you're looking to do three years, because that was what I would have got, yes. So, right, the jury retire, I'm gripping that brass rail, and I have to go downstairs to the cells below. Yeah. And I'm standing there, two prison officers there, standing with me, half hour goes by. And uh, I said, God, they're taking a while. They said, son, the longer it takes, the better for you. Oh. Hour goes by, hour and 45 minutes, and then you hear rumbling upstairs. Then I'm bringing the phone, and I'll, I'll go to sit and I'll grip. I'm gripping that brass rail, which uh, many brass rails in my future career yes. in television and films standing there as villains in court. Absolutely. I knew exactly what the feeling was. <laughs> it wasn't acting. It was deja vu. Oh my God. Anyway, so right, I'm up there gripping the brass rail, and then the jury come in. The first person I look at is the woman. She just moved her head just slightly to the one side. And I went, what does that mean? Is that, I'm not guilty, guilty or what? Yeah. And I'm p- panicking. I'm cr- Listen, I'm crapping myself now. And the, the bottle's going now, definitely, <laughs> in a big way. So then they go through all the rigmaroles. The foreman of the jury, he stands up. Foreman of the jury, how do you find the defendant during that? on the charges of larceny, which is the smaller one? Uh. We, the jury, and they go through this long pause in speech to find a defendant, and there's a big pause, not guilty. Yeah! Oh, oh, Jesus. Bring it on. Then they said, then they go through the next one. <laughs> how the jury, uh, how do you find a defendant on the charge of receiving? We, the jury, find a defendant on the charge of receiving. And then there's almighty pause, seemed like an hour. Uh- not guilty. Yes! Oh, Jesus. I've gripped, I've gripped <laughs> the brass rail. The judge's face was absolutely puce. I he love it. He was as red as a beetroot. You beat he the system. He was so angry, obviously. And the judge, believe it or not, I found out, was a man called Carl Arvold, oh. who was who played rugby union for England many, uh, many years uh, before. Right. But um, anyway, the, the, the um, you beat the system. Carl. You beat the system, yep. Derek. And he said, he said, right, that's, he's not guilty. He said, right, the defendant will be released without a, a blemish on his character. And uh, that's it, end of the trial. And that's it. I stepped down, give, shook hands with a barrister, gave me dad a hug, walked out of court standing there to get me breath like it was name. And the jury got dismissed. Mm. And the woman came straight over to me when she came out. She said, Derek. It was eight to four against you. <gasps> but we talked it over and over and over, and we decided to give you the benefit of the doubt. Oh. She said, now go away and behave yourself. <laughs> she walked about three yards away from me, mm. turned around and said, Derek, I think you should be an actor. And then oh. she disappeared. And I've never seen that woman from that day since. I stood there on the steps of the as I walked out the door with me dad and I stood there for a minute and thought to myself, right, Derek, there's two ways in life you can go, to the dark side 
which I knew many, many people, or I could try and do something with my life. And that's when I decided I would mm-hmm. try and be an actor. And then I had to leave the market because my mates all said, Derek, the city police will have the right arse with you. Yeah. They'll fit you up. They'll get you in one way or another because you've made them look mugs. So I left the market, started hearing about, because I've been a big film fan all my life, started hearing about these agents. So there was an old Compton Street. There was an, a cafe there called the Act One Scene One, right opposite the Two Eyes. Uh-huh. And uh, when I sat there, covering those people, there, oh, I was on Adam Adamant yesterday. I'm doing Z cars on that. And I leaned over and said, excuse me, who are you with? They said, we're Terry Denton and Gray. I said, any good? They said, oh, yeah, good agent. So drunk me coffee up, went outside, went in the telephone box, looked through the old telephone directory, Terry Denton and Gray, and he phoned him up. And I said, um, Mr. DeGray, I'd like to join your agency. I said, what, um, um, what things have you had? What, what have you done? So I said, well, I did a bit of motor racing. I said, a horse riding. I said, and I've done lots of um, acting in theatres. They said, he said, where, rep? I said, yeah. I said, market raising, um, all different places where I've been horse racing. And, you know, <laughs> made that. Anyway, he said, right, come and see me on Friday. So when I got there, he said, right, bring some pictures with you. He got the pictures. He went, you know, we'll get some new ones. And he said, right, this was on the Friday. He said to me, what are you doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? So I said, nothing. He said, right, you're on Z cars. Rehearsals Monday and Tuesday. I went, oh, right. And, je- je-. and he gave me all the details, where to go to rehearsals. And I crapped myself again. I thought myself, Jesus, I've called his bluff. <laughs> and now they put me in the deep end. So I arrived on the, on the Monday at a rehearsal somewhere near Labrook Grove where the BBC used all different halls. And that was it. I was in a bar, supposed to be in a bar, the rehearsal rooms, uh, drinking up. And when Jimmy Ellis walked in, mm. one of the coppers on yes. Z cars, I drank up and walked out. And that was my first job as an extra. That is amazing. What an introduction to to a, an interview. That is, what a story. I mean, you could just make that a, a great film in itself, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the brass neck of you, mate. <laughs> yeah, the brass rail. I'll never forget. Every time I brass see a rail. brass rail, me, me bottle switches a little bit. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. Scratch and sniff. Online. With Nick Randall. Then I was getting a lot of extra work. I was doing Z cars, uh, Adam Adam, compact. Compact reception. Um, all different. Oh, I mean, you were talking. I was doing Morecambe and Wise up at ITV L Street, which is now what BBC is there. It used to be ATV. Yeah. I was get, I was working about eight on Dixon Dot Green. I was working about eight days a week. I was doing my job professionally. And then I started getting the odd lines and bits. Mm. And then there was a couple of scenes in Z cars where I was a regular almost. And then Derek Ware, who rang an agency called Havoc, he said to me, Derek, he said, you uh, you don't mind being pushed about. I said, no. He said, look, why don't you come and join my agency? You can ride a horse. You used to do motor racing. He said, you know how to throw a punch? He said, why don't you come and join my uh, stunt agency? Mm. So I gave up doing extra work, which unofficially I was like extra of the year. You know yes. what I mean? Because yeah. I was getting so much work. And I joined the stunt agent, and that's how I started doing stunts. I might fall from a tall building, I might roll a brand new car, cause I'm 
just to say that you are so familiar to me as, uh, you know, from those early days of classic TV programs. I mean, I, I remember you having a great death on the Doctor Who episode with the, the claws of Axos. You were playing a unit soldier. Right, yeah. And you look, look well, this, did... yeah, you had this gun and the, 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 I think the, the Axon sort of zaps you or something. <laughs> That's right. Love I did. It. Um, I did two epi- uh, two episodes with um, William Hartnell. Oh yeah. I did two episodes with Patrick Troughton. Mm. I did five episodes with John Pertwee. Yeah. And uh, one episode with, with um, oh, one of the the big fours was it afterwards. Was Tom it? Baker. But um, Tom Baker. Yes, that's it, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, and of course that one was a proper part for you. That was uh, acting alongside Benedict Cumberbatch's mum, wasn't it? Wonder Wonder Vietnam. Yeah, that's right. My name is Mitchell. I'm the security team leader. But no one is allowed in or out without clearance. This loony old trout seems to think she's an exception. Loony old trout? Oh, gently, Mrs. T, gently. Remember your varicose veins. I've had it with you now, you old stoat. Any more trouble and I'll have you outside and set the dog on you. Hey, now, no, just a minute. can't talk to her like that. Only mind him, my lovelies. <laughs> there isn't a dog born as it attack me, boy. They got more sense than most people. Now I can see why they burnt witches. What were some of these big actors like to work with? You know, obviously you were coming into a profession and um, sort of managed to sort of get yourself established initially as an extra and then a sort of bit part actor. Who were some of your heroes working with and perhaps people you didn't get on with so well? Well, I found that I got on well with every. You see, I find this business is like one big family, a big camera. Mm. You get the odd. I would say, in it's sixty years next year. I've been in a business. Mm, wow! Since nineteen sixty-two. Congratulations! It's 60 years. <laughs> and I would say I've only ever met five people who were real horrible bastards, <laughs> and not not to me. But okay. I see him being horrible to other people. And fortunately, those people didn't go on uh, to do much or, and disappeared. Yeah. So there's no room in this business for real horrible people. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's one happy job. Yeah. I mean, to go to work smiling in the morning and come home smiling, that's a secret of life because we've all got to work. Mm. We've all got jobs to do. We've got commitments, mortgages, bills. And if you can do a job you love doing, that's the secret of life because yeah. you've got to work. And that's, that's I'm very lucky and I've been doing that since I was 29. Someone said to me about a few months ago, they said, when are you going to retire? I retired at 29. <laughs> yeah. I said, what are you talking about? I said, listen, I've dug the roads, worked in factories, worked in offices, worked at Smithfield, done my national service. I said, I've done all the hard work. I'm now playing. I said, because that's what I'm doing. I'm playing cowboys and Indians, doctors and nurses, and getting paid for it. I said, you know, I retired at 29. I don't mean it to be in a flash way, but it is. Yeah. I don't count it as at work. Yeah. All right, I've done 20 on EastEnders. I did 22 scenes in one day. Mm. But I loved it. It was. I found it easy to remember the lines and everything else. ever put yourself in real danger and when was the sort of point when you thought um you know what i should retire the stunt stuff and just focus on acting well if you remember a series called with glenda jackson called elizabeth R. oh yeah right there were six episodes 
And in the last Lovely. episode, it was when Elizabeth I sent the troops to Ireland. Mm. So we're all on horseback down in Cobham in Surrey. And I'm on the fr at the front with the armour on and everything. And we're trotting. It was a slow canter. <laughs> Not very fast, but a slow canter, but enough. And what happens is a shot rings out. I'm at the front. I get hit. I come back out of the saddle and straight onto the deck. And was going out. I'd already broke the ground up, so I knew where I was going <clears> to <throat> fall and everything. So the director said, right, action. And there's all the line of troops on horses. And then what happens is I get shot out, comes into the saddle on the floor. And all the, what I call the Irish, uh, all the hooligans, all the, all the, their soldiers or whatever come out of the woods and oh, no, Max Diamond, he comes over and he grabs me left shoulder and he's stabbing me like that. Boom, boom. And then the scene goes on for about three or four minutes, almost a can full of film. Mm. Then he said, cut. He said, Derek, the director said, do you mind if we go again? I said, another fee because of doing a horse for us. I said, another fee. He said, yeah, no problem. I want to shoot it from a different angle. <laughs> so coming through the second time, as I've come, the shot rings out, I've come out of the saddle, my right foot caught the stirrup, and I'm coming down, and I'm thinking to myself, shit, I'm going to do me neck, so I've tucked, and bosh hit me collar, and I felt my collarbone snap. Oh, mate. But as I said to you, the scene carried on. So they all come rushing out, Max comes over, he's pulling my shoulder, and he's stabbing me, and I said, Max, what all the noise you're going to, I said, Max, I broke my collarbone. He said, oh, no, you have your lying sod, because I was a wind-up merchant, and he's stabbing in the bones coming out. <laughs> oh. Anyway, they said, they said cut. So I went, yes, Max, is. he said, well, I'll teach you from winding us all up. So <laughs> anyway, I was off on a stretcher. They sent me to the local hospital. And as I'm going off, they said, don't forget, in three weeks, you've got two lines in the studio, because it ends up where... Elizabeth I stood for days. She wouldn't die. Sort of, yeah. couldn't, and she's standing there. And I'm playing a horseman to Cecil. And I've got my left arm in a sling. And I'm wiping the horse down. They had one in the studio. And he said, um, I'm waiting for her to die to take the message to to um, the rest of the people. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I decided then, I was, oh, I'll stop this. I'm getting too old. <laughs> And then I did a series, what, what actually got me an agent, I did a series called Paul Temple. Oh, yeah. With a lovely actor called Francis Matthews, yes. who played the lead. And George Sewell, an old friend, good old actor, sadly not with us, I played his sidekick, and I had lots of lines in it. Fantastic. And arranging the action. So I said to the producer at the end, I said, Derek, his name was Derek, I said, Derek, look, I'm 40, I, I want to give up, Stumper. I want to be an actor. I said, I've got no idea... I don't want to do Shakespeare or any of that. I said, I just know my <laughs> little niche, my little alley. Yeah. I said, you re he recommend me to an agent. And that's how it started. And then, of course, along came Law and Order. As far as anyone out there is concerned, you don't exist anymore. Not until I say so. Don't give me that. You can't keep me banged up here. Listen, you wicked bastard. You pulled a right stroke with that security guard. So you can whine for your brief and about your rights, but it won't do you any good. You've got information we want. So you'll be here assisting us with our inquiries as long as it takes. That put me on the map. Because mm. it was, I did so, I did for the director, I did an improvisation thing, which I love doing, mm. making it up as you go. Yeah. 
and it would be etc. And he said, I've got something for you um, next or next January. This was in August. So I said, Yeah, all right, thank you. Think result, yeah, I've heard all that before and you never hear anything. <laughs> but um and it come to pass and it was either the villain or the copper. My agent said, Which is the artist? And the director said the copper. So he said, All right, Derek will play that. Yeah. And that's how I got to do Fred Pyle. So Law and Order was in 1977. It's not to be confused with the newer version of Law and Order. Oh no, 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 no! This was this was the version. It'll blow the new version out the window because <laughs> it was about corruption in the Sweeney in the 60s. Uh-huh. And I played a crooked copper taking backhands and <laughs> insurance deals and mm. and whatever. But um, I was up before the Houses of Parliament. Yeah. Yeah, as a select committee, they wanted to know what it all could. It caused murders in the papers. The commissioner of police said, how dare the BBC show police being corrupt and all that. And yet oh. I was as bent as nine bob notes. Yeah. A lot of them. So and right up to date, and let's say you're 1077, yeah, two right. years ago, I was invited to that uh, Lord's Cricket, to the Combined Services Cricket, which I like. Mm. And when I got there, I'm walking through with a mate of mine, George Saunders, and there were six blokes standing there, older men, about 60 or 70. And as I walked by, one went, Detective Inspector Fred Pyle. Ah. I turned around, I went, what? And they were all ex-coppers. And they knew me. They said, brilliant series. He said, absolutely brilliant. And that was that was <laughs> two years ago, and that was done in 77. People still remember it. Yeah, it was four 80-minute films. Uh-huh. It was a villain's towel, detective's towel, a brief's towel and a prisoner's towel. Mm. And the bloke who played the villain in it was the bloke who played Pete Bill in EastEnders. It was oh, Peter oh, Dean. Dean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they should and re- he, played the, he played the villain in it, yeah. They should repeat that. They should repeat the entire series because it sounds like it's really, you know, very significant piece of TV. Well, if you get a chance, you can get it. You can get it on Amazon. Oh yeah, and it's a, a disc, a, a DVD, yeah, and it's four DVDs because yeah. it's four eighty-minute films, mm. all in color. Everything's really um, all been redigitized, and it looks like it was shot yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But there's some great, great characters in it. It was uh, listen, as I say, I put my hands together. People say, "What was it?" I say, "Law and Order." That mm. started me off. That give me the, the one. give me the the start. Put me on the map. When I wanted to go to Hollywood when I did that, but it got as far as Heathrow. <laughs> <laughs> you had quite a prolific film career as well as a TV career, didn't you? you you've done lots of films. Oh, yeah. I've done quite a few. I did, I mean, one of the stunt works I did was a film called, um, it, uh, oh, dear, war film, Peter Davidson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter, wasn't what was it called? A war film with Peter Davidson. Yeah, it was a war film, and I played a German in it and got shot. I got some nice pictures, big pictures of me what, flying Dave? in the air being shot. <laughs> um, David he- David Hemmings was in it. David Hemmings, yeah, oh, I, yeah, was, yeah. It could have been one of. I'm trying to think. Of the I'm name of like the, the wild, film. Wild, wild geese, wild geese, something like that. No, no, no. It no. wasn't that. No, okay. no. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was um, oh, we'll oh. get it. We'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's on the it's written down anyway. We'll find but, it out. We'll find um, out. So you worked with James said, K- Jimmy Cagney in his final ever film. That that must have been amazing. That's right. He was from the forties and fifties. Being a film fan, 
Cagney in all his films to gangster. I could so easily have been a gangster watching him yes. and Bogey and all them, but yeah. I, I loved Cagney. And then when my agent said, she, I've got a job for you, I said, it's six, seven weeks at Shepparton. I went, oh, that's nice. Mm. I said, who with? She said, it's uh, Cagney's last film. I went, what? I'll do it for nothing. She said, shut your noise. I want a commission. <laughs> Absolutely. So, any, anyway, I arrived there and I'm sitting next to him for five, six weeks. As one. What it was, was the film was being shot in New York. It was called Ragtime. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of labor trouble. So Dino De Laurentiis, who was the big producer, yeah, he said, right, finish. He hired the whole of Shepparton. And with because he brought it over here, he had to use some English actors and some English crew to go with because the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild Union and Equity. Sure. So that's how I got the job. Amazing. And sitting there talking to that man, oh, the body had gone, but the eyes and the hand and the voice and talking about white heat and angels with dirty faces and Yankee Doodle Dandy. And oh, it was, I, I was, I was just. It was very emotional. When he, the first day, we're all standing. There was 200. There was all extra stuntmen on horses and all me mates, Nosha, Pal, Dinny, and all the boys. And there was 200 extras and all that. And this big limo pulls up, all in the scene. Mm. And out got Cagney. And when no one's there, but the whole place erupted, shouting, clearing, cheering, whistling, clapping hands. It went on for 10 minutes in the immediate, after a while, Cagney put his hands up. He said, thanks very much, but let's get to work. <laughs> and that was it. But what an emotional. There's Dinny Powell sitting on his horse crying his eyes out. You know what I mean? That is amazing. It was, so, it was an emotional part. Come out and take it, you dirty yellow-bellied rat, I'll give it to you through the door. <laughs> Have you salvaged anything at all from this disaster? This man... Do you know who he is? No, sir. Or what he looks like? Medium height, medium build. We've got his Mac and his door key. A mass-produced plastic Mac and an untraceable door key. You're a dead loss, Frost. I shall have seriously to consider your future with this division. I shall have seriously to consider your future. Why can't you split your infinitives like the rest of us useless louts? What's this, Jack? Talking to yourself, do I hear raised voices? No, just our revered divisional commander give me my usual good conduct medal. Close the door, Percy. Got a bottle of whiskey here for medicinal purposes. Care to join me? In A Touch of Frost by R.D. Wingfield, Detective Inspector Frost was played by Derek Martin, Webster, Hayden Wood, Chief Inspector Another um, a part that you were really well recognised for was um, Inspector Frost. I think the writer actually said you were the definitive version. You did it on the radio, didn't you? I did the 90-minute theatre. It was a Saturday night, 90-minute. And in 90 minutes, I solved six crimes, which took David Jason six one-and-a-half-hour films to do. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, listen, David Jason putting more bums on seats because I was up for the part originally ah. of, de of Detective Inspector Frost. Yeah. But as I said, you know, David puts more bums in seats than you <laughs> because he was more well-known. So, But I did do a, 
fools and horses as well. So. Yeah, but I mean, I see you as so instantly recognisable and uh, you've done so many big parts. I mean, you know, the Chinese detectives, you were the main detective who was like the overall... Oh, I was very, I'm very racist. Time. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was very racist against him, the Chinaman, you know, yeah, yeah. used to say, you know, how come he's yeah. come up from nothing? I'm detective inspector and whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> that was with David Yip, A lot of it? controversial parts I've played, yes. so. Stop throwing the word tried around until you're sure of your ground. Yeah, it's not going to be long, look, I've got a lot of people... As long as it takes, Cody, quiet. Permission for Chegwin to assist me, sir? Yes. Is that permission to talk to C11 to pursue inquiries? Permission granted on anything that gets you out the way, home. A very famous writer called Ian Kennedy Martin, yeah. who wrote A Needing Line and Sweeney and all that different things. He wrote a series called King and Castle. He wrote it for you, didn't he? Well, that's right. And he, he went to Thames Television and he said, well, we know Derek, but he's not a big name. Mm. He said, well, I want him to play in the, the pilot. We did a pilot. Mm -hmm. He said, if you don't let Derek play it, he said, I'll take it elsewhere. Mm. So they took a chance, and we played. I played in the pilot, and ended up doing the first year was six episodes. Had people like um, David Suchet as a guest star. Mm, um, wonderful in different episodes. I mean, there's me, Derek Martin from from the East End, and then suddenly I'm <laughs> I'm working with all these lovely uh, what's name stars. Do me a favour, Jack. Take him round the back and hit him with a brick. There's a pile by the shed. Bit early in the day, innit? Don't be pathetic, Jack. You're an ex-contender. I've got the CIB2 on me back. I've got to watch me step. Now, eat him once and lunch on me. Nigel Planer, of course, was your... No, you, Nigel, you lovely man who played my sidekick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But um, it was great. And then the second year, we did it, two years running. Mm. And then, of course, they cancelled it because they put all their money, Thames, into the bill. Oh. And that, that was it. Once they, <clears throat> And then the bill went on because it went better. I ended up doing four or five bills anyway. I, so. I was going to say, I thought so. you might have done the bill because every actor seems to oh, do yeah, the bill. Oh, yeah, I died in every one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean you forgot your lines? I or? died in every one, so, yeah. <laughs> but, um, as I say, King and Castle, it was, it was yeah. lovely to do my own series, which I'm very oh, yeah. proud of as well. Absolutely. Written for me by lovely Ian Kennedy Martin. So. Yeah, who's uh, very... And he was quite successful as well. So. Prolific writer, yeah. And then, as, as I say, in between, you had Sweeney, Minor, Professionals, um, Heart to Heart. When they came over to do an episode, um, they said they wanted someone to play an English copper and say, Derek Martin, he'd play it. So I had to arrest um, Stephanie Powers. Wow! I've got a nice picture of me with uh, Rob, what's his name, Bob? Uh, who Hos was in? Hoskins? No. What's his name? No. Who, was, who played the lead in Heart to Heart? Oh, um, um, uh, yeah, that guy. Oh, my God, what's wrong with us? Yeah. <laughs> Natalie yes, Wood's husband. Yes, yeah. yes, Oh, um, Wagner, Robert Wagner. <laughs> Robert Wagner. No. <laughs> Yes, it is, isn't it? It was, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, to play work with him, I got a nice picture of him in my book. Oh, Derek, we must reference your book, uh, An East End Life. It's a cracking read. Uh, loads of beautiful photographs from your career. Well worth checking out, folks. Um, so available in all online outlets and uh, uh, bookshops when they're open, uh, <laughs> COVID restrictions and all that. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, um, I was told by another actor that Heart to Heart, 
uh, pay quite well, <laughs> so I'm told. So possibly repeat, repeat fees were pretty good. Oh, it was good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I made a few repeats of them. <laughs> so there, there was that, and as I say, all the different things I did. Um, I, I did early days. I did upstairs, downstairs, the oh. Duchess of Duke Street. I love the Duchess of Duke Street and upstairs. Well, these were proper parts. You weren't being blown up in the Duchess of Duke Street or anything. No, I had two parts in that. I played a, a, a stall holder in Common Garden, which the Duchess of Duke Street used to go and pick her quail up off of my stall. Tell me, Ben, if they're not fresh now, what are they going to be like when you do open? Not fresh? Put your cap over your ears, Jamie. I think he's going to start blinding. They're the freshest in the market, bar none. Oh, yeah. Here, you like a bargain, don't you? I'm listening. How about a quick kiss and a cuddle round the back of the next door? Uh, and while we're round here, I'll nick you the finest cauliflower this side of the Bermondsey flower shop. Nobody kisses and cuddles this time of the morning, at least not for a bleeding cauliflower. And then later on, I became a sergeant in the army. It was at the docks. Mm. And she was a very good with the soldiers at helping out and stuff or whatever. Yeah. And the mm. director said to me, Derek, he said, I want you to lead the singing. I said, what? He said, just to start singing and everyone to join in, Bushy's a jolly good fella. <laughs> so I said, all right. So there's there's about 200 blokes all dressed as sergeants and officers and men that were waiting to go on board. And I started, Bushy's a jolly good fella. And he let me go on and on before they all joined in. <laughs> there's me there singing like, oh, don't. That was it was good, though. I loved it. <laughs> you say so many. Cringing. <laughs> the, the best Sweeney I did was one with Diana Dawes in, oh, which was wonderful. a good episode. A lovely lady, really was. You are nicked. That only little bastard who grasped me. He's earned himself a spanking. Tell us about working with Linda LaPlante. I mean, that must have been wonderful, a, a major part in The Governor. Well, it was our lead um, yeah. with Janet McTeer. Yeah, absolutely. Was, I mean, she was nominated for an Oscar in a film she did in Hollywood called mm. Tumbleweed. Absolutely wonderful. I spoke to her about four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. um, she was in a series which I loved called Jessica Jones. Uh huh. It's a Marvel or DC uh, comic hero and yeah. she played the mother in it and i got in touch somehow and she held me and she i said i don't know whether you remember me gary marsh of course i remember you you silly old sod <laughs> she said it was wonderful lovely to hear from you thank you very oh. much indeed she said i'm full of bruises but when i first went for the audition to linda laplante in uh in Wardour Street, she had big offices. Still mm. got them, I think. Yeah. And it was for a part in one episode mm. where a, a prisoner helicopter comes down and a prisoner jumps on and escapes. So after I read the part and all that, she was talking. She said, big fan of yours, she said, when you did Law and Order. So I said, well, you never bloody give me work, though, did you? So she <laughs> laughed because she's down-to-earth lady as well. And uh, oh, absolutely, we've met. Yeah, she said, I did the part, and then we're just I'm walking out. I said, She said, Thank you very much, Derek. And she said, Hang on a minute. She said, Look, here, take this, these pages, go outside, have a cup of tea, read through them, and then tell me what you think, and then come in. So I went out, looked at them, da, 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 come back. So she said, Do you mind reading them? So I said, No, and she read the other bit. Mm. So she said, Right, 
okay. Next day, my agent rang me. She said, Linda LaPlante wants you to play the male lead as Deputy Governor Gary Marshall. Wow. I went, you're joking. She said, no, I don't know who the actor was, poor sod. He'd signed the contract, but they paid him off. Amazing. I don't know who it was who had the part. Somebody had already been cast. Amazing. And she said, I've, I've miscast. I've, Derek's got to play the part. Wow. And that was on the Friday. On the Monday, they flew me to Dublin mm-hmm. to buy suits and stuff. And then the Wednesday, I was out there working, starting on it. What's this? Uh, Michael Winchwood's family are not too happy with the findings of the investigation results. What? I referred them to the prison authorities. Did you? Do you want my honest opinion? I don't think it was suicide. I've got a problem. The new governor doesn't believe Winchwood committed suicide. Just stick to the same stories, okay? Agreed? It'll be all right. She can't prove anything, can she? Not if we make sure of it, no. That run for two years, but then she had a row with Yorkshire Television and they pulled it, otherwise it could have gone on. Great, great stuff. I enjoyed it. And working with beautiful actors and everything. Listen, you're talking to one lucky bastard who never had stage school or drama school. I've walked in as an extra from the East End and ended up with my own series doing EastEnders for 15 years. You know, I still can't believe it. Now and again, I'll pinch myself to say, <laughs> hey, am I dreaming this or what? What's, what's, what's going on? You know what I mean? SNS Online presents the soundtrack of your life. I'm very, very much into, um, I love p- proper singers. Like when I say proper singers, I'm into Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, yeah. Sarah Vaughan, Lena Horn, And I like songs that have got an introduction and a story to them and an ending yeah. and not ya, ya, whoa, whoa, ow, wow, wow, <laughs> wow, wow. wow. They've got to be, there's got to be, all right, I'm old, old fashioned now, but they've got to have a meaning to them. It's like, you know, I did, and one of the songs that I've always liked was called "Fairy Tales." Can come true. It can happen to you if you're young at heart. That's the song, "Young at Heart." Oh, I love Cause it. Because I am. I might be coming up eighty-nine, but I am young at heart. Because I don't want to get old, and I'm still thinking young. I'm not like some of these. I've been lots of old people, young, a bit younger than me, and saying. All the good old days. I say, no, sod the old days. I said, now I can get new knees, new hip, new heart. I said, the the medication alone, medicine has gone on stride since 50 years ago. I said, look, I said, I don't get any type of food 24 hours a day from all over the world in one shop in Tesco's or Sainsbury's. I said, we're much better off. Cars are better. Everything's better. Some the good old days. They weren't good. I don't think they were good. <laughs> Let's but listen. that's the song, Young at Heart. Fairy tales can come true 
It can happen to you If you're young at heart For it's hard you will find To be narrow of mind If you're young at heart You can go to extremes With impossible schemes You can laugh when your dreams Fall apart at the seams And life gets more exciting With each passing day And love is either in your heart Or on its way Don't you know that it's worth Every treasure on earth To be young at heart For as rich as you are It's much better by far To be young at heart And if you should survive To a hundred and five Look at all you'll derive out of being alive And here is the best part You have a head start If you are among the very young at heart And if you should survive to a hundred and five Look at all you'll derive out of being alive And here is the best part You have a head start If you are among the very young Frank Sinatra and Young at Heart. You're listening to SNS Online with me, Nick Raddle, and today's special guest, Derek Martin. And we'll be back in just a minute. SNSOnlineShow.com, your brand new one stop shop for all things SNS. Take a tour through our wide and diverse collection of shows and listen in to our exclusive range of in-depth interviews spanning the popular arts, featuring actors, writers, journalists, stand-up comedians, musicians and more. You can also enjoy our shorter bite-sized series covering vibrant new theatre, television and book releases. And with our Arts Lifestyle Remit, you get to explore issue-based topics including health, mental health, women's rights around the world and LGBTQ. Contact us with both your comments and suggestions for future guests. And don't forget to read up on our blog, regularly updated with articles and photographs. A forum where everyone is welcome to contribute. SNSOnlineShow.com, your one-stop shop for all things SNS. And now BBC One, Charlie Slater has well and truly got his hands full in tonight's EastEnders.
to tell the girl something like that squabbling in the streets. It wasn't like that. Well, it sounds like that to me. No, sorry. The rest of what? Nothing, Dad. She's just upset. Just ignore her. He's got a right to know what happened. Sorry, don't do this. Somebody tell me what's going on. Sorry, please. No more lies. Tell him. No. Tell me what? Who my real dad is. Sorry. Some kid from school, that's what you said. She lied. Cat? Tell him. I can't. You can't let him get away with it. Is it true? Next time I see you, I'll kill you! Do you hear me? I'll kill you! Let's move on to EastEnders now, as Charlie Slater. I mean, that must have been a completely different level of, of fame, but perhaps you hadn't experienced before. I mean, was that quite well, overwhelming? I'm playing a dad. I've never played a, a dad like that before. I mean, very the, emotional. When the, you saw the tears, yeah, we were emotional family. I mean, yeah. Jesse and and old Mo yeah. and Lacey. They were real tears. I've got to tell you this. Yeah. They were real tears. Mm. The emotion got to us with a dialogue because it was well written yeah. and it got to you and we, you cried yeah. it was meant I'm sorry it's me who should be apologising the last thing I wanted to do was push you out probably was my fault no you're good and kind and honest I love you girls all the same I want you to believe that come on with me eh? Oh, Dad. Look, the family's in tatters, but we can fix it if we just all stick together. What, pretend it never happened, you mean? I want to protect you, love, and I want to protect all of you. Look, you've got Trevor all wrong. He's a good person, really. Stop lying to yourself, love. This isn't love. Don't. Be honest, eh? Don't. You gave me a chance to show my that I've got an emotional side to yeah. me. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, the Slaters really were a force of nature. I mean, that, that family was oh. so so well cast. And, and I was been watching yeah, some the of the girls your, walking in. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching some of your uh, best clips on EastEnders, all the uh, the punch-ups you had with like Trevor Morgan, Harry Slater, and all those all those characters and uh, all, all the oh, massive yeah, storylines. Uh, Ian, Ian Bill. Yeah. I, I smacked him Bill early on. Well, why, day, wouldn't yeah. right. why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Did you get the message? Don't do it again. <laughs> no, listen. I'm, I'm going to say, and I, I want it to carry on. I've still, I've still got life in me yet, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind still doing some more work, but which I will do. Something will come up, mm. even if it's just a bit of bile. <laughs> I mean, who knows? You could come back to EastEnders as a ghost, you know, because, I mean, they've done that before, haven't they? Because I knew your character died. Well, I, uh... I've already put forward a story about three years ago. Oh, yeah. That um, when Charlie was 16, nobody knows, but there was a twin brother. Yeah. And uh... the twin brother was very naughty and he got into serious trouble and went to prison for 18 years. Uh-huh. And when he come out, he was ostracized. They didn't want to know him in the family. So he left and he went to the Philippines 
and opened a hotel or something like that. Never contacted the family. And then a few years ago, he tried to get in touch and he heard that Charlie had died. So he thought he'd come home and see if I could meet any of the members of the family still there. And he arrives and he finds out where Charlie was buried mm-hmm. and he goes to the grave to pay his respects to his friend brother. And as he's standing there, he hears a noise behind him. He turns around. It's young Stacy. Oh. She's come to put flowers on and she screams. She went, oh, because <laughs> it looks like Charlie because yeah. it's his twin brother. That would be brilliant. And he explains. He said, sorry, girl, don't don't get worried. He explained who he was. And she said, oh, I'll tell everyone when I get back to the square. And that's that was um, a return. You know what I mean? And see what happened. Oh, that would be great. It wasn't picked up, so no. But I mean, they've done. They brought Dem back from the dead. They brought Kathy back from the dead. I mean, that sounds perfectly plausible based on the Stenders' history. <laughs> and it would be lovely to have of you it back. Could. Yeah, sure. yeah. You know, usually as it always going on about how close as a family are, but your own brother. That's sick. I'm holding you. So anyway, I started thinking. You know, I started wondering, who's little Mo Beamley? I mean, she's a good-looking girl. They say it runs in the family. Come on, Charlie. Don't tell me you've never even been tempted. Charlie, Charlie. You stay away from her. Stay away from her, family! Come on, Charlie, that's enough, eh? You're going to go to the police. You're going to tell them you're dropping all the charges. Little Mo, the whole lot. Do you get that? Oh, come on, Charlie. Uh, I can't hear you. Okay. What'd you say? It's not worth it, eh? Okay, Charlie, you win. I swear, if you ever come around here again, I'll kill you. Come on, Charlie, let's go. You hear me? Come on, come on, he's not there. Let's go, come on. But you had some massive scenes in that show. I mean, you you must have been so well recognised at the time. Did, did that ever cause any problems at all, or was it all lovely? Everybody loved it. They loved the father. They said he was a lovely dad. Yeah. He, uh, he had to suffer all those girls, <laughs> but he was a very loving dad, always trying to sort them out, especially Kat when she was in trouble and stuff. Yeah. But um, You're not my mother. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, see, that's that's classic, isn't it? Oh, that's classic. That was, yeah. And then you went to, to, to beat up Harry Slater, didn't you? Played by Michael Elphick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh Michael Elphick, what a lovely man! I worked with him on a on a, a series called Private Shorts. Private Shorts. You were on that. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, I played. Um, Love that show. I was with him. I was driving. I was with what's name was up there as well. Rula Lenska. Oh yeah, but she was in it, mm. and uh, that was great. And I loved Michael. He's a lovely fella. But the trouble is, he had a very bad drink problem. Mm. Very, very bad. I mean, he'd, he'd lunchtime, he'd go and have um, a pint of Guinness and a triple whiskey chaser. Wow. And it, it, it was a known fact. I'm not telling lies. Sure. Sadly, he's, he's dead now. He was found dead in his flat. So, mm. <clears throat> But we did this scene, which was very emotional, where I have to spit in his face and say to him, I'll kill you if you ever come back here again. Because yeah. he raped a cat and it was how she... Ended up with with a kid, Zoe. With, uh, yeah, Zoe. Mm. Yeah, and uh, we started doing it, and he was and the director came, or the producer came in, John uh, 
who put, who put got me in it in the first place. Okay. I can't think of his name. Don't worry. But he came in and he went, clear the studio. And he went, Michael, go home. Mm. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. And I said to, said to John afterwards, I said, John, listen, he's got a problem. He said, I know that. Yeah. So I said, he'll be all right in the morning. And he put his arms around me. He said, Derek, I'm so sorry. I said, Michael, don't be sorry. You're soppy, son. Fuck off home. Get the lines off. We lit it in the morning. Mm. Come nine o'clock next morning, he was there, bright-eyed. Bang, we did it in one. Bless him. Dad, you don't have to leave. If yes, you I do. To... I do. Why? Because I heard you, Cat. Finally. You're doing this for me. No more lies, eh? A bit of space won't hurt either of us. I've always loved you very much. Difficult, highly strung, beautiful pain in the neck. I'd do anything for you, cat. How could I not love you? I've been watching some of the, some of the uh, clips of the some of your big scenes, and and your death was so sad. Look after him. Oh. <laughs> I love you, cat. Oh, Dad, I love you. I love you so so much. I love you so much, and I forgive you. I do, Dad. I forgive you. <laughs> He's not breathing. Oh, Dad, what to do? Oh, but uh, but you did come back as a ghost, didn't you? You were a taxi driver for a brief Oh, that's right. Yes, when Lacey, Lacey had a problem. Yeah, that that's it. right. Yeah. yeah, that was lovely. Listen, did, listen, I've got to ask you something. Oh, yeah? All these clips, where did you find, how did you get to get these clips? Well, there's lots of clips on YouTube. I mean, if you just um, go to YouTube, you know where you see different clips of, of music and TV programs, whatever. Because what, what, Listen, let me explain what I'm trying to do. Uh-huh. When I do these even, evening widths, and I've also been asked would I go on cruises and do a talk about my life and everything, and Brilliant. I'd want to do a showreel. Yeah. So how would I get a showreel if I go on YouTube. Well, I mean, I suppose you would. There's there's lots of clips there, but then you have to copy those clips onto something else to assemble a a, 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 a proper show reel. I mean, I'm sure there must be some industry mates of yours who probably will. I'm sure they do it for free for for you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I could do it. Yeah. Oh, so I could do that then. I could oh, do it that way. Yeah, I'm sure there's a way around it. I mean, you know, for for, for my show, because obviously this is audio. So what I, you look up EastEnders YouTube. EastEnders yeah, I mean, on YouTube I, 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 or just me? I just put, well, I put, um, I wrote uh, Charlie Slater uh, EastEnders and just got loads of clips of your brilliant uh, performances, you know, loads of different oh, stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, did you know uh, a couple of months ago yep. they had a, a, a thing, uh, the best, 10 best deaths in EastEnders, and I was number five. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was so sad yeah, that you, they bumped you off, but, I mean, I, I, I get, you know, they, it's drama, it's for soap, isn't it? They do these things. and Yeah. Yeah, but, no, that was a, a fantastic period of EastEnders, a real golden period, and you were such a massive part of that. They, I, they wanted to get rid of me a year earlier. Bastards. The, the, the producer, <laughs> no, you listen, the producer, John York, who was the executive producer when I was on it, oh. he, he'd left then, oh. and the producer called me and he said, Derek, I'm afraid we're going to let you go 
Um, it will be off screen. Oh. You've died of a heart attack at some party. Rubbish. So I said, oh, oh, sod it. Charming. That's a bad thing. Anyway, when I got home, I rung John York, who was ex-producer. I said, John, the bastards are trying to kill me off. Da, da, da. Leave it with me. Mm. Next day, I'll get a phone call. Producer said, um, the executive producer, and he said, right, we've changed our mind. We're not killing you off. So, <laughs> so I, so they had words. So, but then about eighty year, eighteen months later, they decided. They said, Derek, we'll give you a good send off. It'll mm. be a good story. Yeah, a good, good line. So I said, okay, fine. Mm. What was I was silly? If they want me out, they want me out. That's listen. That's part of. Do I have fifteen years straight off? Yeah. It's not bad. Show business in this business. So. Yeah. I mean, I remember Louise Jameson telling me that um, she had been in the show for a couple of years as uh, Rosa DeMarco with her sons, and they were running the uh, a, a restaurant. And they were supposed to be taking over the Queen Vic, and it was all planned. And then they had a change of producer, and within six weeks, she was out. So it, it really, right, yeah. yeah, it's cut and thrust, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you don't never know with a soap, any soap. No. The pen will just write you out. You're no, gone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, I'll tell you what, as, as an afterthought, I've got a little story I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. What happened was I was in Tesco shopping one day, and this lady, uh, very well-dressed, you could see she had a touch of class about her, about 60-odd, and she came up and she said, excuse me, young man. And I said, well, that's a good start. <laughs> and she laughed. She said, I'd just like to tell you, my husband said, that soap actors and actresses are the best in the world. So yeah. I said to her, well, that's very generous and very kind of him to say that. I said, was he in the business? So she said, yes. He said, sadly, he's not with us anymore. I said, oh, I, I am sorry. So I said, what, was he a, an actor? So she said, no, he was a director. I said, oh, mm. I said, oh would I have known him? She said, well, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> I went, oh, my jaw dropped and I, I nearly I went, Hang on, Stanley Kubrick, we're talking. She said, yeah, clockwork orange and yeah. everything else. She said, yes, exactly, Stanley Kubrick. She said, he said that because of the soaps are so quick, there's no time for rehearsals. You get the scripts. Absolutely. You have to do it straight away within minutes, and it shows on the face because you all got close-ups. Yeah. And he said, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to see actors immediately on the screen bash done it. And that was it. He said, they're the best actors and actresses in all the soaps. Oh, my God. <laughs> I walked out there, Nick, like a dog with two what's-its, honestly. Yeah, so. <laughs> that is amazing. But, uh, and you know what? I, could, I entirely agree with him. I mean, I think you, you, as actors, you're put through the emotional ringer, aren't you, in terms of all the different highs and lows and all the stuff that happened with the Slater family, just with your own example. I, and you you deliver fantastic results, and yeah, as you said, you got like sometimes you had to learn twenty five pages oh, yeah. of well, if it, in a if day. It's, Nick, if it's if the words the dialogue's written well, yeah, then you you feel you, as you're saying the words, you, the emotion comes up. Do you understand? If it's a Absolutely. a sad scene or something's happened or whatever, I said, and you, and you feel it, and I, I was feeling, it. and the, that's funny. The girls, the Slaters, we had a kind of thing about we. 
when one's one started, we all started, and the tears flowed like Niagara Falls, oh. you know what I mean? So we all kind of were connected in a way emotionally for yeah. some reason. Absolutely. Well, that's acting, isn't it? I mean, that's really yeah. sort of giving yourself to the part. And I, and I think it's yeah. also important that, you know, all the, the people who are very snobby about soaps, um, I, they do irritate me, these people, because it's acting like, like any other acting. And uh, and it's it's damn good. You're but not going to get a bad soap actor, I wouldn't think, because you, you're not going to get to the stage where you'll get, you'll, you'll get signed on to do that. You've got to. You've no, got to I mean it's instant. I mean, a lot of actors. There are some actors who wouldn't touch soaps. Yeah. Uh, whereas if they, it's it when you're going on stage and you're doing a play. As far as I know, you rehearse for weeks. Yeah, and it's the same line. And before <laughs> you go on, and then, and if you slip up, you've got someone prompting on the side of the stage. <laughs> yeah. Whereas on television or films, you prop up, you say, "Oh, bum, can we go again?" And you do it again. You know what I mean? Usually say worse words than that, but what uh-huh. I'm saying, then you get a chance of shooting it again. And you know what? I, I feel I have to give you a, 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 a scratch and sniff round of applause, sir. So there you go. Woo! <laughs> thanks, thanks, Nick. Yay. Thank you, mate. All right. Oh, sorry, I called you Charlie, didn't I, love? What, what's your real name, my sweet? Derek. Derek Martin. So, Charlie, welcome to the group. <laughs> Britain, Britain, Britain. Land of technological achievement. We've had running water for over 10 years, an underground tunnel that links us to Peru, and we invented the cat. But none of these innovations would have been possible were it not for the people of Britain. And it is those people that we do look at today. Let's do it. And you know, um, Little Britain. Yes. And they said, would I go and do it? And I was playing Derek Martin. Yes. What in was Fat that? Marjorie's what Club. What was that about? Well, it, 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 what's her name? Lucas. Uh-huh. He had this, he dressed up as a woman and it was Fat Marjorie's Slimming Club. <laughs> and I appear as Derek Martin. And he's saying to the people, oh, it was interesting. The first day of rehearsal, I've walked in. Matt Lucas come out. He said to me, I'm Matt Lucas. I'm Jewish and I'm gay. I uh, said, well, that don't make you a bad person. And he laughed. He said, you'll do. <laughs> and that was it. So, but what it was, is, I'm, I come in and he says to them all before I come in, there's a whole group of people in a slimming class. Yeah. And he said, look, we got Derek Martin coming on who plays Charlie Slater and EastEnders. But we've come here to, because he wants to lose weight. So don't nobody ask him about EastEnders or whatever. <laughs> And because when I get in, I sit down and welcome Derek. Said, uh, and he said, Actually, I must just ask you, I never watch it myself, but what's going to happen with Cat and Alfie? Is their marriage going to survive the affair? Is he going to leave her? Well, or... Look, I- I'm just here really to try and lose some weight. Yeah, God, he's on telly. Get over it. <laughs> I know exactly what it's like being famous because I've actually been in the audience on the right stuff. <laughs> and then eventually, eventually, after about half an hour, and it keeps showing. And I said, well, Right, I've had enough of this, I'm going. I said, I'll come here asleep, and I'll leave it, and I'll walk out. <laughs> it was a good a good little good little scene. Actually, I must just ask, what happens to Mo in the end? I don't know what you mean. Well, what happens to her in the end? Well, I don't know, we're not really told that. Oh, uh, what happens to Pauline in the end? I don't know. What happens to Phil in the end? I don't know. What happens to Dot in the end? Look, th- these things I don't know, it haven't been decided yet. No. But what happens to Ian in the end? There isn't really an end, it just kind of carries on. What happens to Sonia in the end? <laughs> Look, I don't know, I don't know what happens to any of these people. Stop asking me what happens to all these people in the end! 
whatever's the pat in the end. Look, I'm sorry. I, I'm just coming here to lose some weight. I didn't mean it to be a whole thing about being in EastEnders. I've obviously made a mistake. I'm sorry, all right? Give it a rest. It's a real sort of acknowledgement of, of your familiarity as, a, as an actor all these years, but you get to play yourself in a, in a, in a comedy show. I think that's, that's a real accolade in itself. But listen, <laughs> can I put this? And I've, I've got to put this in a way that people hear it. I don't want them to think, oh, everything I've ever done, I've never done Shakespeare. I've never done accents, Yorkshire. Everything I've done is Derek. Yeah. Playing a copper, it was Derek playing a copper. <laughs> playing a dad in EastEnders, it was part of it was Derek. Yeah. All the different things, it was Derek, yeah. which made it – all I do is everything has got to be natural. When we're talking now, we could be recording it on the radio. We could be chewing a film. Mm. It'll still be the same. I don't change. I, everything I do is natural which makes it easy. I yeah. Don't do accents. I had one little, I've got to tell you one little thing when I was with this agent going back years. Mm. Um, he said to me, Derek, go and have lunch tomorrow. A man coming down from the Liverpool theatre, every man theatre in Liverpool. He wants to talk to you about part. Now I've never done stage, right? Mm. So I never went to stage school or drama school. Okay. So I met him for lunch. I introduced him. He said, so I said, right, you want to talk to me about part? So he said, yes. He said, well, I'm doing the Scottish play. Ah, uh, yes. So I said, Don't yeah. He said, what do you know about that? So I said, well, it's this woman. I said, she's very manipulative towards her husband. I said, and she's a bit of a cow, really. He said, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly exactly what you're thinking. So we're getting talking all that. He said, what do you think? So I said, very interesting. So I said, what you got me in line for? The, um, the grave digger or hmm. one of what? He said, no, to play the part of. Macbeth. Wow. I went, you're winding me up. He said, no. He said, I like casting against the cut, against the grain. Yeah, yeah. So I said, well, I've got to think about this. So he said, yeah, by all means, direct. So I went off, had a nice lunch with him. And after a day or so, I phoned my agent. I said, listen, I'm very, I'm very honored that he thinks that I could do it. Mm. Now, I don't want to get on that stage and make myself look a mug. Mm. But I also don't want to get on that stage and make him look a mug for casting me. So I said, please say to him, Derek said, thank you very much. He feels very honoured that you've asked him, but no. Mm. So I never did it. So, because I, I, I wouldn't have, <laughs> I can't do a Scottish, I could do a mock Scottish accent, you know what I mean? But you've got to do that, you've got to, keep an accent up for ages. And I said, there's loads of Scottish actors who could play that. For instance, like Yorkshire or Lancashire. I probably lost work because I couldn't do the accent. But, but I, I would I say... Thought, oh, and I, can, yeah. I could tell you accent of actors who could do it as good as me. But I would say, Derek, got, I would say, Derek, that uh, things have changed now and they're quite often cast against type and, um, you know, blind casting in terms of the ethnicity of, of, of actors. And probably that was his his idea of you playing, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the play that can't be mentioned. It, it, was, it was quite forward thinking at the time and it would have been very interesting to see your, your, your take on it. Uh, and also just to say, like, you've got your Sean Connerys and you 
you've got um, all those people who who essentially have the same voice in most of their films who have done extremely well too. So you know what I mean. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, listen, the thing about stage, um, oh, I've been offered pantomimes and not done them. To me, pantomimes like slavery. Oh. You're doing two, three shows a day yeah. for about eight weeks, and if you work it out what the fee is, mm. it works out to less than the, the uh, lawful uh, living wage yeah. for some people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I find, no, listen, I do this for a living. I don't know how Therefore, actors do I, it. I, I, the panto yeah. and all that. I really don't know how they, or any play really. I don't know how they keep going for for weeks and weeks and weeks, week after week, <laughs> week weekly rip. Yeah, yeah, crazy. But I've got. So I've had some nice things. I was um, a man called Roger Reese, mm. who was a Grand Order of the Water Rats member and a very good Shakespeare and English actor. Went to America and stormed it, and he invited me because he was in a he was in a play over here called Waiting for Godot. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but anyway, yeah. yeah I, he course. said, "Come and see it." So I went up there, see it. And I went backstage afterwards, and there was Ian McKellen who was in it as well, oh. and in the, in the dressing room. And they said, "Well, Derek, what did you think?" And I said, "Well, to be honest, it was a bit wordy." <laughs> and Ian McKellen said, "What do you mean word?" I said, "Well, there was one bloke comes on with a rope around here." He said, "I said he was talking all bollocks." <laughs> I said, it was rubbish. He was talking. Dum, 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 dum. I said, it didn't mean anything. And he they started laughing. Hmm. So I said, I could have cut half hour off of that play. <laughs> I said, in no time. So they laughed. Uh, Ian McKellen said, I shall dine out on this for years <laughs> to say that an actor said that waiting for God, I was a bit wordy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just being honest. Another lovely experience. I, had a, a, I did a film called um, Priest of Love. Uh-huh. I didn't ever meet her. Ava Gardner was in it. Oh. Um, Sir John Gilgood, mm. um, all different people in it. It was a story when um, who wrote Lady Chatley's Lover, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, dear. And Lawrence. he couldn't get his he couldn't get it published here, so he was importing it here, undercover, in parcels with all plain covers, and arriving in England. And I played this Sergeant Victorian or Edwardian copper with a helmet and a big moustache. And Sir John Gilgood was the Home Secretary. Mm. And it was all shot in Shepherd's Bush, which was this old Victorian post office there, still working. And there was a big scene where I have to undo a parcel and hand one of the books to Sir John Gilgood. So the camera's all set up. They turned up all the crew and everything packed in there. So in the end comes Sir John. So good morning, everybody. You know how he was, lovely man. Mm. And he went, good morning. So I said, good morning, Sir John. I said, how do you want me to hand you this book? And he went in. Like I said, he said, my dear boy, you can hand the book to me whichever way you wish. And I shall reply that. I went, fuck it. Hell, I only want to give you the book, John. <laughs> and the old place erupted. You know what I mean? Because... I just said to him, and he went into this soliloquy. Why? I was, and he, I went, fucking hell, John. I only want to hand you the book. <laughs> and the crew, the crew, everybody pissed themselves. You know oh, what I mean? I so, love it. That's hilarious. But all lovely memories. Lovely, yes. lovely memories. I did an evening with last night in uh, Welling. Uh-huh. And uh, someone said to me, you've had a good life. I went, uh, hold up. What do you mean, had? Yes. I'm still here. You're still here. I'm talking to you. I said, if, 
the phone rings now. She'll be doing a job tomorrow. I right. said, but not very likely at the moment. Right. So, but the trouble is now, what's happened is, and my agent's explained it to me, I'll be at 89 next April. Wow. Congratulations. I don't look sir. it. I don't look you it. You don't sound Everybody it. You don't says, sound it. You've got I'm, so much energy. I only energy. look 70. I'm, yeah. I'm very with it. I'm computer totally. okay. Everything. But producers and directors of TV and films are very reluctant to insure. This is the insurance companies. Yeah. Are very reluctant to insure people of a vulnerable age, my age, 88. Mm. They're looking for people who are 60 years old who look 88. Yes. So, therefore, the insurance is not so heavy. Mm. So, therefore, that's why I'm, it, it's been finding it hard to get work now. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. That's yeah. life. I mean, I was going to mention about, you know, voice work as well, because, I mean, Big Finish Productions, who do all those audios for Doctor Who and stuff, so many actors are getting involved in. If Big Finish uh, Productions are listening, they should they should get you on board for, for some roles, you know, because you have a lovely association with Doctor Who, you know. Oh, I loved it. Well, great time. And John Pertwee, I loved it. Was a lovely man. You're listening to SNS Online with today's special guest, Derek Martin. And for all things Mr. Martin, we direct you to his very own website, derekmartin.net, where you'll find details of his live shows and, of course, his autobiography, An East End Life, My Story. I also did a, a thing at the Albert Hall oh, yeah. a few years back now when after 9-11, a lot of the firemen came over that were involved in the 9-11 disaster. Sure. And there was a big show on for the fire services and everything. And I got to meet two of the firemen. And because my dad was in the fire service in the war mm. and he got the British Empire Medal for bravery. Wow. And it was it was nice to go up and I said a few words on the microphone and spoke to the boys from America from New York and oh but, that's um, lovely and and was your dad uh, uh, alive to, to see that or no oh, sadly okay. he died when he was sixty eight sadly oh, he was a good dad they right. don't make him like that anymore so <laughs> that's what I said I said that at his funeral they don't make him oh, like bless that anymore you, mate. but. Oh. I mean, and, and the experience of going with him to Buck Palace mm. oh. and standing in the investiture with him, I was, what, eight, yeah. nine. And he walked up, to, and I walked up with him, and King George VI wow. put medal on him, and Dad saluted him, and he bent down and shook my hand. What a memory. So the, you the, shook the king's hand? The king's six. And listen, two years ago, the Water Rats held the Grand Order of Water Rats. As you know, I'm a past king. Sure. And they were invited to the palace to a do. Mm. And the uh, Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh were mingling with us. Rick Wakeman had written a piece of music and was playing it on the piano here in this big room. And King Keith Simmons, who was King Rat then, was introducing the Queen. The Duke went off somewhere mingling and the Queen came and he said, your Majesty, I'd like you to meet past King Rat Derek Martin. He's probably the only rat here that met your father. Oh. And she looked at me and she said, 
Is that so? I said, uh, yes, your majesty. You always say your majesty first and then afterwards it's mom. Uh-huh. So I said, yes, your majesty. In that little room up there, the investiture, my father was awarded the British Empire Medal for bravery and your late father, King George VI, presented it to him. I said, and he bent down and shook my hand. Oh. I, she said, you must be very proud. I said, I am, Mom. Thank you. Oh. And then they moved on. You know what I mean? But another experience. You know what I mean? It's, that's there I am. wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely it's, to hear. And I'll tell you what, I've got to buy your book. Let's plug your book again. Um, it's uh, an East End story or... Yeah, that's a Derek Martin and East End Life. That's yeah. the one, and everybody should buy it because there's loads of there's. We've, I mean, we're just literally scratching the surface with with this show. There is so much more to hear and to read about. So there's lots of stuff their, in there. Yeah, everybody yeah. should buy their copy and, and lots of pictures as well. So. Oh, we love the pictures. Brilliant. Let's talk a little bit about some of your charity stuff as well, because you've been involved in, I think, Mind, which is a very important charity, also the Dog Trust, which makes sense when we were bonding over Tilly the dog. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've joined when John Barden, who was in EastEnders, mm. who played um, Doc Cotton's husband. Oh, yes, yeah. And uh, lovely John. I've known him for years beforehand. Very good actor. And he said to me, I think you should come and join the Grand Order of Water Rats. Yeah. So I said, yeah, are you sure? So he said, definitely. So he proposed me. Now I ended up, and I'm still in it, and I am I was King Rat for one year, um, raised a lot of money, 28000 at the ball. We had a ball. And this is this is an actor's, this is an a- actor's um, charity, yeah? Yeah, if you look at G-O-W, Grand Order of Water, you look it up, it goes back to 1897 mm. or 1887. And it's um, it was when the old musicals were going in those days, and the top of the bill was getting say five pound a week, which was a lot of money, mm. and bottom of the bills was getting about two and six. So when they got got to hard times, they set up this um, uh, charity yeah. called the Grand Order and and help people out, and it's been going ever since. And mm. we we support other. We got a big place in. Um, it's now in a pub called the Grand Order Water Rats Pub in oh, Gray's Inn Road. Ah, right, okay, and, cool, uh, cool, cool. We own the whole pub. It's right next to the ear, nose, and throat hospital. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a uh, we we own the building now, so it's worth a lot of money. Mm. And I mean, when I look at some of the Charlie Chaplin was a water rat. Wow. Um, Lauren Hardy and you were King Rat. Howard. That's amazing. I was, yeah, I became a king rat, yeah. Awesome, awesome. And really enjoyed it. I'm a past king now. I sit at the top table with all the other past kings and all that. Nice one. I mean, all the, the big names you could think of over the years, Tommy Cooper, all, mm. I mean, Tommy Trinder, uh-huh, Charlie yeah. Chester, mm. all those old comedians, Danny Kay, Danny he Kay. was one. That's yeah. brilliant. That's awesome. Are there any parts after all these years you, you still hanker towards a particular type of part you've never done and, uh, you know, something is safe? You could get anything offered to you now. What what would you like if you could just choose anything that would really suit you? Well, I can't run anymore. I can walk, but I can't run. Uh-huh. So that's why I've always said to my agent, uh, Holby, Casualty, any of them where I'm laying down dying. I'm very good at dying. So and <laughs> yes, getting paid for dying and laying down, that'll do me. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, I'd fancy an old, like a godfather part. Oh, yeah. 
if you know what I mean. An old villain, East End villain, who's uh, kind of semi-retired, but people come to him for advice. Mm. A bit like the Brando one, Godfather, yep. which is wonderful. Yeah. You know, do me a favour and I'll... <laughs> yeah, I'll go. And he's get some... Um, who's... Um... That guy, Madonna's um, ex. But I'm with a, I'm with a good. I've been with her uh, for donkey's years now. Been thirty odd years. I've been with her. Um, Sharon Henry, Lenny Henry's sister. Oh yeah, she's my agent and oh, uh, Sharon right. Henry management. Nice. And uh, she was secretary to an agent who I was with, and then the agent retired and went to live in Spain. Mm-hmm. And she took it over, and I stayed with her. Oh. And touch wood, I've been very lucky. You, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot of actors they change agents like they change their underpants. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think Louise said it was like changing deck chairs on the Titanic. Like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I mean, you've but got. You see, this is there's a very there's a, a lot of luck. You've got to say that there's a lot of luck in this business. Sure. Happen to be in the right place at the right time, or you do something that catches people eye. For instance, law and order. Yeah. As I say, keep going back to that. That put me on the map. But you've also got to be good. You've got to remember your lines. You've got to turn up on time. And also, with you, you've got such a great characterful face. You know, you've got such intense eyes for so many great parts, cops and villains. You know, you fit so many great roles. (laughs) And I can play them from life as well because, as you know, I was at school with a craze, with a twins. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were. Tell us. They were a year younger than me. They were in a class younger than me, yeah. like a year below me. But the same class I was in was Charlie, the brother, Charlie Craig. I mean, I've been around their house and had tea and with the mum and everything. Because Charlie, later on when we left school, we all still knew each other and everything. Um, he used to say to me, "Oh, you should ask me to drive him places." He said, "I." Oh, good thing about Derek, he's quick but safe. <laughs> which was uh, nice so, which I was I am I still am they still call me the old boy racer you know what I mean so, <laughs> so I still what? can't help it at the lights I look across I'm like oh, all right, here we go <laughs> Shh, down it go <laughs> what were they like I mean did you have any inkling well then? listen um, Reggie was alright Ronnie was the was the gay one as you know uh-huh. and but Charlie said to me you're not worried about the twins are you I said no not at all he said, I know that, you bastard. He said, because if they upset you or don't eat, you'd get the biggest lorry ever and drive it right through our house and kill all of us. Yes. So I said, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but you you, but, you, um, you did know it, but did you have an inkling at but the time? I, never, I was never part – I went to parties and birthdays and everything. Mm. But when the cameras come out and the press and all that, I never was seen on the peripheral. I stepped well out of the way. Yeah, yeah. No, never in any of the pictures. Mm. Always kept clear. Mm. Always kept clear. Mm. But um, they were all, as I say, they were right to me. <laughs> when they were in prison, both in prison, the birthday party was held on the boat right near the the, the old Billingsgate Market on the mm. Thames. And Gary Bushel, oh, who yeah. writes in the Sun now, as a comment, yeah. <clears throat> I know him very well. He's done lots of articles with me over the years. He said to me, Derek, any chance? get me an invite to the to the twins birthday party so i said well they won't be there so he said no but i'd like to see who's there so i said all right i said but be careful what you say yeah. i said don't let on your fucking reporter yes and of course who turns out lenny mclean was there 
Um, so presumably they were in prison. Is that why they couldn't be at the party? Oh, yeah, there was a party and they were selling T-shirts. There was a group there. Right. Um, Jonathan Ross's mother was there. Oh, yeah. Uh, who used to be an extra on EastEnders. Oh. Martha, she's retired now. Yeah. And they had a band there, had a band. And Lenny McLean came in. Mm-hmm. And he came up, hello, Del. He went, he had hands the size of massive, about <laughs> twice as size of your own hand. And when you yeah. shook hands, he kind of swallowed it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> said to me, and he just got a book out. He said to me, Derek, he said, you've read my book? I said, yeah. He said, well, they're going to turn it into a film. He said, and there's a part in it, there's a grass in South London, and you're going to play the part. I want you to play the I said, whatever you say, Lenny, I'll play that. <laughs> yeah, you don't argue with fucking <laughs> Lenny, you know what I mean? So, uh, and that was it. But Gary Bushel said, he said, I was worried if I was going to, Come out of there alive! I said, "You daft! <laughs> no one's going to touch you. You're not a danger to them." So I love it. But, I, um, I suppose you must have seen that, known um, Barbara Windsor from the old well, days. I, I, I knew Barbara. Yeah. I knew Barbara before she was in the business. Ah, oh, right. In the East End before she when she when she was about sixteen. Mm-hmm. But um, and she knew me when we we knew each other because I'm. When I did, remember I did a series called El Dorado? Yes, wow. We must talk about that. I always get what I want. This time you don't. Oh, yes. Maybe not today, nor tomorrow. But soon. Real soon. In Spain, right? Yes. Now, in Spain, her ex, what's his name? Um, Oh. Oh. Blimey. You know what I mean. I think so. Barbara's husband, first husband. Uh, 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 and he had a bar in Fungarola. Okay. And we were shooting all round, all round everywhere. Lovely. I'm just Googling oh, it, Oh, she actually. was a singer, and she used to sing anyway. She said, Eddie, what? Not Eddie, what's his name? I'm Jesus, just, I'm this. Googling it now. <laughs> Give me his name and um, he'll Ron, get it. Ronnie Knight? Anyway. Ronnie? Ronnie Knight, that's it, yeah, right. And he had this bar in <laughs> Fungarola, and he was this, this blonde girl called Sue, blonde woman. Mm-hmm. And what's her name who was in the series with me? She, I married her on a boat because I was a big villain in uh, what's El Dorado. Her? Oh, you know what? I'm not sure it about was... El Dorado. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't yeah, tell uh, you. He was, I, was the big, I was the big villain in it. Oh. What happened was they started it off and it wasn't getting good ratings because they were using a lot of expats out there who were amateurs. Yeah. And they decided to bring in some of the pros and it's pre- and it creaky got, I mean, we, we was getting eight million of viewing every time. Yeah. And towards the ends. Yeah. But Mr. Um, the bloke who was in charge of Channel 4 decided to, or took over from Channel F- and said, right, it's not my baby. If it's a success, I won't get it. And if it's not a success, it will be my fault. Mm. So he dropped it. So That's it. And it was really doing well towards the end. Um, oh, what's her name? Penny, who was a singer. She used to sing as oh, well as actress. Oh, I know you mean. All Alone the Strip. Yeah, yeah, I know from who. Marbella, yeah. From Marbella to Malaga. She so she was, she was the singer in, in El Dorado, wasn't she? That's right, yeah. And she said to me, oh, Ronnie wants to meet you. Mm. He said, wants to go out for dinner, you, me, him and Sue. So I said, lovely. So we met drove down into the town and he took us to this lovely uh, Italian restaurant. Mm. It was packed. 
at the table there. So come the end of the night, I said, right, Ronnie, let's have a divvy up. Smell that. He said, no, 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 I don't pay. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I let them know that I'm coming here, Ronnie Knight, the villain, and it gets packed. He said, and you get free meals. Ah. So, <laughs> and it ended up an Indian restaurant and a Chinese restaurant as well. Mm. But we went back to the drinking club. He had a club there. And there was a big divan, swinging divan outside. So we're sitting on there. He's sitting on there with the Sioux, and I'm sitting with what's his name? Oh, what's a fucking name? Uh, I can't it's remember. Po- anyway, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's Polly Perkins. That's it, Polly. I just got Polly. it. <laughs> and, and we're sitting there, and she said, "Come and sit here." So I sat with with the girl, the blonde girl, the Sioux. Uh, yeah. And the Sun, the Sun newspaper had to be there. The photographers took pictures. Next day in London, in the Sun, it had Mr. Big meets Mr. Big. <laughs> so I'm there with Ronnie Knight because I was Mr. Big in the El Dorado. So, yeah. And the Sue sitting there. And when I saw Barbie, she went, were you sitting with that blonde bastard, that slag? What were you doing sitting with her? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Blimey. I got my ear burnt there for that. Oh, blimey. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> but that was a good experience. Listen, yeah. that was you was working about two and a half days a week. The rest of the time was barbecues and whatever, and I had a lovely villa out there. Oh, oh. wonderful. I, I mean, I, I remember... Another, what, another good job. I remember watching job. El Dorado at the beginning. It was quite creaky, creaky floorboards. I think the set was so new and uh, sort of dodgy, <laughs> lot of dodgy sound issues, I seem to remember. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. It, but by the end of it, it had really sort of cultivated into a good show. A great shame they pulled it off, but that's show business. As so there we you say. go. Yeah. Derek, Martin, thank you so much for joining SNS online today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. You'll get your celebrity goodie bag sent uh, through the post <laughs> as soon as we can sort Have you that. got my address? Oh, yes. I'll give you my address, I've got I? your address, mate. I, I, I'll be stalking you forever now. <laughs> I'll be hiding no, in no, your garden. Right. I don't mind. Listen, I'll, Listen I'll, count you as a, I'll count you as a friend now. Oh, so. what a sweetheart. You I, I, well, I, would, you I would be absolutely honoured. And I tell you, I, 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 I'm, I'm such an admirer of your work and it's such an incredible enduring career and so varied as well but you notice the one thing it's always the same bloke <laughs> yeah that's Derek fine. being a copper Derek being a villain Derek being a dad it's still Derek whatever you hear but I love watching Derek so that that suits me fine and okay. I think you'll find some of the best actors have played the same part all over the years I mean I'm thinking you know, Michael Caine of course um Sean Connery. Yeah, but how can I say I'm not pointing myself at these people, but Gregory Peck, Robert yeah, Mitchum. Absolutely. Uh, they all played themselves playing whatever coppers, yeah. soldiers, villains. If it works, don't. And I've just, that's if, it. If it works, if it don't break it or, or whatever the phrase is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right, listen, Derek. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Um, I'll, I'll. It's been a um, pleasure. Long as listen, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Well, so I just it's it. so lovely. And I, as I said, we do we do send uh, little prezies out. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. all right. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate it. And I'll, now I'm uh, going to say something. Yeah, and I mean this in the right. I'm going to say this, and I mean it in the right way. Huh. Lots of love to you. Oh, bless okay. you. Lots of love to you too. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, mate. Okay. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye. Bye.
Listen, I'm, I've got to apologise if there was a bit of swearing. Um, oh no, it's I love it. <laughs> I love it. I'm sure. No, yeah, I can always. It wasn't too much. I can always bleep it, but it, I think it's it yeah. just adds it. It just makes it more authentic. It's, it's fine. Yeah.